Amen. I want to talk to you about why I love Jesus, and the title of this is He Rendered Powerless. He Rendered Powerless. But really, I want to talk to you first off about one of the most uh, vile, evil uh, things I think that is affecting so many people in our area. I'm talking a blood-circing curse. And it's not mosquitoes, but I learned by coming here, uh, there's these little gnats called noceums. How many people know what those are? Okay, those local people who speak the language. Because I don't know if it was a, a Cajun or a southern guy that somebody went outside and said, Johnny, what's been eating you? And you just, I don't know, I know Seams. But, but that's what they're called, apparently. I didn't know this. So I'm, I'm a newbie to Louisiana a few years ago, and i in got my patio, and, you know, the season of mosquitoes is over. And I'm thinking, ah, it's a cool time of year. You know, I can enjoy this. And all these old gnats start flying all over my face. And at first I think, well, they're just gnats. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to swat them away. And they just kept coming and kept coming. And it was this swarm of hundreds of thousands of gnats. And so I'm thinking, okay, they're not uh, just a gnat. Just sit there. I'm just going to take a nap in the nice breeze and the sun. And all of a sudden I get itching all over. I didn't know they could bite you, but apparently they do. And, and then all of a sudden I remembered the parable about Jesus rebuking the fig tree. And no doubt, no joke, uh, I've already started rebuking nets. I don't know how anybody else ever rebuked flies or mosquitoes, but I, I seriously thought it was going to work, but maybe my faith wasn't there. So I was just saying, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. I want to enjoy my afternoon. Uh, but I guess my faith was weak, so I came inside. But they these besetting things. You know, the Bible says that there is a type of sin that is besetting, that is annoying, that is antagonizing. And I know personally in my life, There have been struggles I have gone through, whether it be behavior in my life or feelings in my heart or thoughts in my mind, that it seems like no matter how much I rebuke it, no matter how much I try harder, it just seems like that little nagging thing is always there. How many people understand humanity? You know what I'm talking about. There's some things that are just besetting. Paul says it, I mean, the author of Hebrews says it's easily entangling, these besetting sins. There are things that are annoying. There's uh, things no matter how much you try, uh, no matter how much your effort is, they're harassing, they're besetting. And maybe today for you, it is things from the pains of your past or regrets. Maybe it's some wrongs that have been done to you. For some, no doubt it might be an addiction or a behavior Maybe it's depression or a thought pattern. I think for most of us, it's the constant temptation that First John tells us. It's the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eye, and the pride of life. They're just, there's no way of getting around that my flesh, my desires, want to go against God. And some things are just, I'm just powerless to handle. And uh, everyone in this room has two problems. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got a problem. You got a problem. And turn to your other neighbor and say, You got a problem, because you got two problems. Every single person in this room has got two problems, and no, it's not your spouse or your, your in laws. It is two problems. The first problem is this it's the sin nature that you and I have all been born with. The first problem is that Adam, since his rebellion, we all became, but the Bible says, slaves to sin. Paul says in Romans, he says, I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my sinful nature. That's what Paul says. He says, there's nothing inside of me. No matter how much I try to do good, there is some kind of a nature, this curse that's on me. Even though I try my best, I'm just constantly condemned by failing over and over. No matter how much I rebuke these things, they still keep coming back. There's besetting sin. 
And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We have these, uh, when we talk about sin, what sin means is to go beyond the boundaries that God has set for us. We've gone beyond, we've fallen short of his high standard of holiness, of separation for his purpose. I constantly am going back to things that please me, that I want, that I shouldn't want, that I do, that I shouldn't do. And they're besetting to me. And no matter how much I try, I'm powerless. That's my first problem. My second problem is that religious rules, all the religious rules I've tried have been powerless to help me. Paul says that in Romans 8, 3, that no matter how much you try to obey the law of God, these holy standards, not just the Ten Commandments of don't do these big ten things, but even all the religious stuff after it, the ceremonies, even the, the, the loving other people laws. Man, I, I am powerless over it. And it's kind of like DEET. You know, no matter how much you could apply, if you go to the woods here in Louisiana, you can apply that deep to you. But for after a while, it's going to start rubbing off. And we have mosquitoes that are immune to it anyway. So even if you do that, you're still going to have to do it again and again and again. And you can come to church and you can try to live harder. You can pay your tithes and be a Sunday school teacher and get involved in the worship team and be on our evangelism team and go out there and, and read your Bible every day. Man, sometimes those things keep coming back. How many people know what I'm talking about? You can even build yourself with these gnats and flies we have a screened in porch, but guess what? They're only one to three millimeters wide. They can get through those things in your house at night. You can hear them buzz around your head and you wake up in the morning and think, how do I have these bumps all over me? Because they're besetting. They just keep coming back. They find a way in. And no matter how much churchianity you put into your life, it still doesn't deal with the root problem that we all have. The law of God, Paul says, reveals our sin, but it could not save us. It couldn't deal with the root curse that no matter how many screened-in porches I put on around me, no matter how much deet I put around me or uh, apply to my life, it doesn't work. And legalism by nature is only focusing on the do's and the don'ts, but not the heart of the matter. I want to talk to you this morning, literally, uh, just the gospel. I felt like I needed to go simple this morning, do a little bit of a teaching. And so I'm going to give you, talk to you about three words, rendered, reckoned, and to respond. Rendered, reckoned, and to respond in Romans chapter 6, uh, and chapter 7, and chapter 8, but really just Romans 6, 4 through 11. Because I think so many people today really wonder, does this Christian life actually work? God, how can I actually find freedom and hope and, and just deliverance over sin? How can I feel free in the power of the Holy Spirit? How can I get beyond this? And, and I know this morning, and you say, well, Pastor, you're going to talk about sin, and it's going to get personal, it's going to get weird, and I don't know if I'm ever going to respond. I know there's things in my life, and I know that from the very beginning of a service like this, when I was a teenager and a young adult, I had already made up my mind, I'm not going down there. I'm not asking you right now to come down to the front. I'm just saying we come in already setting in our minds what we're going to allow God to do in our heart. I'm just going to open the gospel up to you this morning because God wants to do something. I think wants to do something special in several people's lives today. But what can be done? What has God done for me? And can I actually have a victory over sin? This morning, Jesus is a deliverer. He's a destroyer of death. And through his death, burial and resurrection, you can be dead to sin alive in Christ, because he wants to resurrect you. Romans 6, 4, let's read there. Romans 6, chapter 4. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory. Everybody say glory. 
glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, this is what we're talking about, knowing this, here's what we want to know this morning he rendered, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. So we'll no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Somebody say amen. If you have died with Christ, you're freed from sin. Now, if we've been died with Christ, we believe we also shall live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. For the life that he now lives, he lives to God. And here's the key verse for us, 11. Even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Man, I read this, and sometimes even as a pastor and one who's got a degree in the Bible, I get lost in, in what in the world Paul is saying. And what he's really saying, if you bring it all back and you look at the context, he's saying, guys, there was this guy named Adam, and he fell. He went beyond the bounds that God had set, and it brought a curse into the world. And every person who was born of Adam was born into sin. Every human being, man, woman, boy, girl, has been born into the inability to stay within the boundaries of God. They've been born in the inability to meet God's standard of holiness. So God, in His grace, had to send His Son, a new Adam, a new lineage, and that someone who would believe in him by faith might be born again, made alive in Christ. And now Christ comes on the scene and he brings a new spiritual DNA. So when you come to Christ, you have a new father. You have a new a patriarch of your family. You've got a new lineage. You've got someone to go to and you're not going to mimic the habits of your dad or your mom or that anger, or that alcoholism in your family or that lust that's been plaguing you for years. When you come to Christ, you have a new DNA, a new spiritual heritage. And he says now in Romans 6, but if you would do these couple things here, he's saying, I want you to know what Christ has really done for you which is the gospel. In Hebrews uh, 2.12, it says that through death he might render, everybody say render, render powerless him who had the power of death that is the devil. That word rendered, it actually means to, to do something, to make obsolete or to make powerless. He made powerless the one who had the power over sin and death. When Jesus Christ comes to die on the cross, it says that he took the power away from the one who was ruling the curse of this world, who had started this thing to begin with, and he made him, he rendered him powerless, as of null, as of void, as of no effect. How many people believe that? He believe it. We say that Jesus rendered Satan and sin and death powerless. And what Paul is saying is, is you have to, if you believe this, and this is the good news of the gospel, he says, you have got to, number one, die with Christ. Die with Christ. It says, if we have died with him, surely we'll live with him. And what does that mean? It means that if I am in Christ and I put my whole life and I put my weight of my life on the work that he's done on the cross, I lean all of my efforts and wants and desires and needs and affections. I lean it all. I put all of my weight 
onto his work and to who he is and not in my own self or standards anymore. I lean all of my life onto Christ. He says, if you would die with him, and he talks about baptism. He says, guys, it's like when you go under the baptismal water, you go under as if you were to die. And sometimes maybe you had a pastor that just kept you under there for a while and you thought you might. But it's like, you you know, some of us Pentecostal pastors, you just want to speak in tongues for a while and hold him down, make sure all the devil's out of him and you bring him back up. But it's like, if when you go under the water, you died with Christ and you come back up your new person. He says, and spiritually, it's the same thing. When you identify not anything that you've done, but you have to understand when he died as a person, he had this fleshly skin on. When he died as a man, he started something new and he died on behalf of everyone. And when you come and identify with him, he has already died for you. He's literally paid the death that was due you. He became the substitution for you and you're saved by his death. So he rendered that old nature that Paul says. And now let me tell you something. Some of us say, okay, Pastor Heath, I believe that theologically. I believe that doctrinally. I know that Jesus paid the price for my sins. He died on the cross. I don't think so many of us who grew up in church our whole lives or have been in the Bible Belt for a long time, we've heard these cliches that he died and, and he rose again and we go to Easter and all this. I don't think we really get it. Is that when Paul is saying literally church, he's saying you no longer are under the power of sin. Say, but Pastor, I don't ever feel that way. Paul's not talking about feeling yet. He's talking about faith. He's saying, before you under, as you understand the gospel, you must understand you, sin has no hold on you any longer. But yeah, but Pastor, I, I still have this tendency. No, 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 but, but Paul's saying, first, let's not talk about our feelings or what we're going through right now. He's saying, just by faith, how many people believe Jesus Christ had the power over sin? How many people believe that? Somebody say amen. And he says, because he was a human, he died. And he died for all men. So that means that every man or woman who identifies with him have died with him. They too now are dead to sin. They're dead to the powers of the enemy. Satan has no hold on you any longer. How many people know that in your heart? You know, man, devil, you're a liar. And that's what Paul is saying. Guys, you got to get this. By faith in Christ, you are free. Free of that pain, free of that addiction, free of that depression, free of, free of that lie, free of that regret. And I don't have, he's saying basically, sin has no legal power over me. Isn't that good news? Sin and its consequences, it's, it's shame, it's guilt, it's, it's power, it's hold, it's uh, eternal death and weight and separation from God. He says, you're dead. You're dead to the effects of sin. You've got a new relationship regarding to this old master you had. You died to it. It's like this marriage that uh, your husband died and, and he's no longer. Now you're free to remarry. It's as if you've become dead to the effects of sin, theologically, doctrinally, literally in your life. Your life is dead and dead to that old nature, dead to that man, dead to the, uh, the consequences of sin and dead to the authority that sin and Satan have over you. He says, but that's not, that's not all the good news. The good news is this. He says, you're also alive. He says, now you've got a new living union with the Holy Spirit. When you die with Christ, you become alive with his spirit. Now a new nature comes inside of you, a nature that wants to please God. The Holy Spirit comes in you, and now you have joy you didn't have before, peace you didn't have before, love you didn't have before, just the, the steadfast spirit that was able to long suffer with him you didn't have before, a desire to please God that you couldn't muster or make up on your own. Now there's something living within you. How many people have experienced that in your life? 
But man, when I got saved, it was like a whole new day. I remember my former pastor growing up, he said uh, all the time, he said, every, when I got saved at that altar, he said, man, when I walked outside the building, it was like the grass was greener because there was something new and alive inside of me. And so he says, now there's no condemnation for you. In 2 Corinthians, he says, now, now everyone in Christ, you're a new creature. The old things pass away. All things become new. Now, I'm going to tell you something. As a person who grew up in church, these words can become old. All things have become new. Okay, thanks, Pastor. I heard that before. Oh, yeah, I know that, Pastor. But, you know, I still got these issues, these problems. No, Paul's saying, guys, before you can get what I'm about to say in the rest of the gospel message he's got here, he's saying, it is by faith. In Christ alone, not your feelings, your circumstances, your history, your bad record, what your husband or your ex or your spouse or your wife or whoever could have, should have done to you or what your dad or mom said to you or beat you or cursed you or put you out and, and, and things that were uh, lied about you all over. Or maybe you've had a bad track record with drugs or alcohol or addiction or lust or pride or pornography. You say, but all this stuff is real to my life. But yeah, but Christ and his work has got to become just as real, who he is, what he's done. And Paul is saying, this is not a feeling. This is a fact. You are dead to the power of Satan. He's got no legal right over you. There's nothing you can do that would ever separate you from God. There's nothing Satan can do or even his angels could take you out of his hand that you are legally innocent in the most high court of heaven. You're new. God doesn't see you that way anymore. He says, you must understand he rendered powerless sin and Satan. We we'll say, okay, great, Pastor. How do I live that out? I, okay, I'll believe that theologically. I hear the good message, the good news. It's great. But I live in real world, man. I, this is where I live. I live in the dirt and the grit and the grime, man. You don't know what my family's like. You don't know what my, my past is like and how people look at me when I go to the store. Man, how dysfunctional my family is right now. Okay, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about reckoning. That's a good Southern word. I reckon. You want to? I reckon, right? You have to learn lingo when you move to the South, how to interpret. I need an interpreter when I go to Walmart. But he says, I reckon. You know, that's not how we use it. We say, well, I reckon, I suppose, I surmise, I guess. Uh, what Paul meant by reckon, and uh, some of your Bibles may be different. Look in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 11. New King James says, Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reckon yourself. Some of your translations probably say consider yourself. This word means this, reckon. It means to count or to credit or to reason. In the Hebrew, it means, or I'm sorry, in the Greek, it means to charge to your account or to consider. So in one sense, he's saying consider yourself dead to sin, but alive in God, to God in Jesus Christ. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, Paul is not saying you need to feel like it to be it. You need to feel you're dead to sin. You need to feel the goosebumps. You need to just feel it all over you. He's saying, no, you have to have faith. You have faith, not feeling. He's saying you have faith in what Christ has done. Consider what Christ has done has been applied to your life. Reckon it as so. Consider it as so that you are dead to sin. Do you believe that Jesus Christ rendered sin and death powerless? 
Say, yeah, Paul. And he says, now reckon yourself free. Then consider it so by faith. By faith, you say, devil, you are a liar. I don't have to listen to that anymore. Sin, I'm not under your power anymore. Man, you feel the cravings coming. You say, no, I'm free of this in Jesus' name. I don't have to be powered by this thing. You have no authority over me because the devil's a liar. He's a slanderer. He wants to bring your past up. He wants to bring the feelings and the emotions up. You see that person at Walmart that did you wrong. You say, no. I don't have to obey those feelings anymore because I reckon myself free in Christ. I consider myself free in Christ. And here's the problem that so many Christians have neither died to this sin or become alive in Christ. We don't understand the faith that is here. And I think that's why so many of our churches are somewhere in between. They're not dead to sin. We're not alive in Christ. So what's in the middle? I guess zombie Christians. We're just kind of moaning through life, shuffling into church. Beset by these sins, woe is me, I got no joy. We're half dead, half alive, we don't know what you are. And you just drool your way through here and complain about everything and you just kind of shuffle your Christian life through. I think I'm going to make it. Praise the Lord Jesus, glory to God. And Paul says, wake up! You are dead to that old junk. You're alive in Christ, so consider it so. Don't wait for your feelings. Let your feelings catch up with your faith. Have faith that what Christ has done is true in your life. So reckon it, consider it. Uh, and look in Romans 4 uh, through 8, 6, 4 through 8. He says, therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death. So as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of God, you too might walk in the newness of life. And if you're united in him in his death, you're certainly, certainly will be like his resurrection. And it says in the last verse, verse 6, Now if we have died with him, we believe that we shall live with him. You see, the whole Christian life is by faith. What we often do in the Bible Belt is we, we believe the pastor says some good words and some good news, and we want Jesus to save us for our sin, but then we leave the faith right there, and we start picking up the works side. It's faith plus works, or faith with works. You see, every point of your life is always going to be built on faith. I have faith I can defeat drugs. I have faith I can overcome depression. I have faith that I'm going to get through these financial issues. I have faith. It's not that I have faith that I'm saved, and then I try to get everything out of my life on my own. It's faith with works. And he's saying, you must consider that everything in your life, Jesus has accomplished by faith. And if you believe what he's done, then consider it so in your life. I think it's, uh, think about the story with Lazarus. Lazarus. Jesus comes to this dead guy and he's been in the, in the tomb for four days and he stinketh, the Bible says in King James, right? That's one of the fun words King James puts out. He, he stinketh. And he stinketh. And, and Jesus, the word of God, the word of God speaks life into these dead bones. It was dead. And he speaks life. And he says, Lazarus, come here. Come out of there. And they roll the stone away. And then what does Lazarus come out doing? He looks like one of these zombie Christians we're talking about. He's all wrapped up in zombie clothes, mummified, right? He stinketh. It's dirty old clothes. He can't talk. He's mm, like what we think most churches look like today. And he comes out. And what does he do? He says, now let him loose. Loosen him. And from there, we see he comes loose. He probably takes a shower. He gets on new clothes. And just a few chapters later, we see him eating in Bethany with Jesus at the table. He's following and fellowshipping with Christ in the newness of life. But the problem is so many Christians are still wearing their grave clothes. We're somewhere in between. What would it have been like if Lazarus had showed up at the Last Supper there? Uh, Because he was around at that time. We don't see him in the paintings that, you know, that we see on you know, these cathedrals. 
But Lazarus was around, and if he had been sitting there, and all the disciples are there, and, and Jesus, Lazarus over there, can you, you know, can you pass the hand? What'd you say, Lazarus? Can you pass the Dude, you stinketh. Why are you bound up in all of this stuff? Jesus freed you. Wake up. Come into life. Don't you believe that by faith he brought you to life? The word of God has brought life into you. Now go and enjoy the freedom in Christ. Follow and fellowship with him. That's what a Christian is all about. You have been legally freed, brought into new life. You were once dead, but because you've died with Christ, now you're alive by the power of his word and the Holy Spirit has brought you into new relationship with him. Now your life is all about following him by faith and fellowshipping in the presence of his Holy Spirit. And Paul says, reckon it as so. Take off those mummified clothes. Take off the things that are bounding you because you are free. There's no reason you have to keep the mummy clothes on any longer. But see, you, Pastor Heath, you don't understand how hard it is. Oh, I beg to differ. We're all sinners. Every day, it's a fight of faith. Every day, it's a fight of faith. Let me give you another way that, that one author, I, I liked how he told it. He says, so it's considerate, so, or Paul says, charge it as so. That's the other Greek word, charge it as so. It's like if I were to go to you today and I say, you know what, sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, I have just put $100,000 in your checking account. Okay, thanks, Pastor. No, 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 you understand. I have just put $100,000 in your checking account. What are you going to do? I'm going to go get that checkbook. I'm going to sign my name to the bottom and we're going on a cruise, baby. I mean, there's something I'm going to, by faith, believe in what you told me. I'm going to take out the checkbook, sign my name to it and cash it in because I believe the money's there. And Paul is saying the same thing. He's saying, guys, it's faith. You have to believe that Jesus Christ has credited your account with the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you believe it by faith, then sign the check and cash it in, somebody. You need to walk in the power that has been paid for by Christ. But it takes faith every single day. Reckon it as so that he's rendered powerless the enemy. It's not a, I, we have a wonderful 12-step program connected to our church, Celebrate Recovery. But even Celebrate Recovery is not about following a list of rules or checks. It's not about doing all the right things. It's about having faith that Christ brings freedom. That's what it is. And so you say, well, Pastor Heath, you just don't understand. You may not feel dead to sin every day, but you can act on it by faith. I don't always feel like a good Christian. I don't always feel free. But I can say, Lord, I believe you have provided it. I believe it, and I'm going to receive it. Let me talk to you a little quick about how you receive it. So you reckon it, that he's rendered powerless, and now you've got to respond to it. You've got to respond to it. I believe Jesus rendered. I reckon it for myself. How do I receive it? By faith. Faith is a daily fight. Look at Romans 8, verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. You will either fight this Christian life by faith, or you will be flirting with sin. You will either fight this Christian life by faith, or you will be flirting with sin. Think about the story of David. In Bathsheba, the Bible says uh, in 
Second Chronicles, First Chronicles, uh, second, sorry, Second Samuel chapter 11, that it was in the spring when all the kings were going out to war. That was the natural order of things. But David decided to take a year off and stay in his wonderful palace. And when he was letting his mind wander and his feet wander and his heart wander, and he should have been praying and saying his prayers before bedtime, he was looking at another woman across the way. And it was that woman we call Bathsheba. Maybe it's because she was taking a bath. But she was taking a bath. He liked what he saw. He desired her with his eyes. He had desired her with his heart. He desired her with his flesh. Brought her into a relationship with her. Had adultery with her. And that ended up in murdering her husband. All because the blindness of sin. This is a guy who is after God's own heart. A guy who wrote wonderful psalms. And if he, if he, think of it. He should have been fighting what God called him to fight by faith. But because he stopped fighting and living in the spirit. He started living in the flesh. He was flirting with sin. You'll either be mastered by sin Paul says that you'll be mastered by God. He says, before you were a slave of sin, now you're commanded to be a slave of righteousness. But what do you do? How do you do this, Pastor? He's chapter 6, verse 12. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. But Paul, you just said, we're free of sin. What do you mean, Paul? He says, but don't let it reign still in your mortal body. And do not go on presenting That's the key word right there. If you've got a pen or notes, underline that. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as tools of unrighteousness. But, here's the contrast, but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead, as those resurrected, and your members as tools or instruments of righteousness. What is he saying? If there is a work to do in the Christian life, it is not, hear me, it is not, Paying your tithes to earn God's holiness. It is not attending more church. It is not a getting involved in a small group. It is all those are wonderful things you all should be doing. But if there is a work that Paul is saying that is a part of the gospel, he's saying there's no works you could ever get to live free. If there is a work, it is a working to depend on the Spirit of God by faith daily. He says, do not, it's like you have these old bodies. We have a new spirit, new mind, legally free, but you got this old body you have to deal with until heaven comes, until the resurrection. He says, you got this old body, and sin is always wanting to master this neutral territory that it's fighting over the spirit. The spirit and the flesh are fighting over control of this vessel until Jesus comes. He says, do not present. That's what the thing you're not supposed to do. If you want the don'ts, some people say, don't watch TV. Don't watch a rated R movie. Don't do this. Don't go to the bars. Don't gamble. There's a lot of don'ts we should do. A lot. All that's great. But the don't, Paul says, is do not give yourself over as a tool. Somebody said, don't be a tool. Don't be a tool of the sin nature of the enemy. That's what you don't. That's the don't you need to worry about. Don't give yourself over to that. And literally, he's saying, don't give sin kingship in your life. Jesus is now king of your life. Don't give sin authority, a rule or reign in your life. And literally, if you look in this passage and look in the Greek, what he's saying is, do not answer the door. You remember what God said to Cain uh, in Genesis? He says, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is to master you. And what Paul is literally saying in these passages, he's saying, guys, you're free. You're new. You rendered powerless, Jesus. Now I'm wrecking it as so. And here's the doorbell. Ding dong. Ding dong. Hey, I'm that old feeling. Ding dong. I'm that old habit. I'm that ding dong. I'm that old thought. And he's saying, guys, do what you do to every person. Hide. 
Turn the lights off. Pretend like nobody's home. Don't answer the door. Sin is crouching at the door. It wants to come back in and be home. It likes the fridge. It wants to make himself comfortable on your couch, on your sofa. It wants to rearrange the furniture of your thinking process. It wants to change the way you think. It wants to corrupt your mind. He says, don't even answer the door. Don't present your body as a way for sin to take up residence. That's the don'ts. You figure out all that. There's a lot that goes with that. Don't do that. That's the main one. It's not don't watch this. Don't do this. Don't taste. Don't touch. Don't smell. Do, don't let sin in. The end. And he says, now, that's not just enough to do the don'ts. We say this at our Celebrate Recovery. You can't just stop a bad habit. You've got to start a new one. He says, don't present yourself this way, but do present yourself this way. He's saying, now, every day, do present yourself to Jesus. Let him be sin. Let him take up residence in your heart. Let him rearrange the furniture. Let him store out your, you know, take out your fridge and do what he wants with it. He says, you've been constantly yielding to sin. Now, walk according to the Spirit. It's by the Spirit, eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 13, it's by the Spirit you will put to death the deeds of the body. You see, Paul is saying, I've got to be resurrected and die daily. Every day, I have to remind myself, Jesus has rendered powerless sin, Satan, and death. Every day, I know, I, I know this. God, I know this. It is more real than the feelings I sense. It's more real than the ding-dongs of the door. God, it's more real than the tapping on my window shade. God, it's more real than the phone call that's ringing and telling me bad news. God, Jesus, you have rendered powerless sin, self, society, Satan. It's done. It's finished on the cross. Lord, I'm stepping over here. I reckon it as so in my life. I consider it so. God, you've put the money in my bank account. I'm going to write the check. Holy Spirit, I know. There is enough power from heaven flowing inside of me that I can task off every addiction, every depression, every doubt, every negative circumstance. I can have joy that comes in the morning, a peace that passes all understanding. I can have freedom that is found only in Jesus Christ. It is my right as a natural born citizen of God. That's my right. I'm claiming it by faith. Well, but I don't feel it. And you say, then go on. Don't answer the door. Keep on pursuing the Holy Spirit. If there's a work to do in the church of God today, it is a work to pursue the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Why are we so fed up with all the world? Why are we so pursuing? We're so the zombie Christian. We're so dead to so many things and we're not alive in Christ. It's because we failed to pursue the spirit. You can get all the doctrine right. You want to. But sin is tapping and knocking and knocking. You say, I've got the TV on the Holy Spirit. I can't hear it anymore. I've got the radio turned up to worship music. I don't hear the ding-donging anymore. I'm praising God every day. I'm speaking in tongues. I'm pursuing Him. I'm using in the gifts. I'm going out being a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm being busy with holy things. I ain't got no time for that other stuff. If I want to be busy being holy, I need to pursue the presence of the Holy Spirit. I need to pursue a life that is walking in the gifts and the freedom and the fruit of the power of the Holy Spirit. Like David, I fail when I start doing it by my own power. When I stop fighting by faith, I start flirting with sin. Well, just a little crack. Let me just see who's outside. Let me just answer that phone call. You know, somebody's ringing. They just don't stop. It's 3 a.m. I wonder who that is. And all those thoughts, all those feelings start creeping in and start ruling your life. And you say, no, Jesus, you're rendered powerless. 
I reckon it so. I'm going to respond by pursuing the presence of God in my life. I'm going to close with this. It was in my life when, as a young person, as a college student, teenager, late, early, early 20s, I guess, I remember dealing with habitual sin. I remember having negativity and sarcasm. I remember being plagued by lust. I remember uh, just the, I would come into service and just feel like I was no good. I would come in and I'd feel like, God, I can't do this. I, I know what is true, but I don't feel that in my life. And it wasn't until I devoted every morning an hour a day to pursuing the presence of God in my life that I started gaining power over lust, power over pride, power over negativity. Man, I was a sarcastic, negative person. I could make you cry. I could look at you, say something to you, and make you cry. I was just mean on the inside, judgmental. And you can ask my wife, you can ask my parents that there was something that happened in my nature Over those two years of praying an hour a day, seeking the presence of the Holy Spirit, God, use me. I surrender my life to you. Holy Spirit, fill me. I'm seeking you more than I'm seeking these things. Let me tell you something. Every day is a struggle. That old man is right there. He wants to come back. That sin is knocking always at my door. There's not a day off in this Christian life. But you have to say, God, I'm pursuing you more than sin is pursuing me. I've got to be so desperate for an encounter of God in my life, for a tangible presence active within me. And I say, Lord, I I don't always feel it, but I believe in faith. I'm going to write the check today. God, I'm going to write the check. I'm going to, Lord, you charged it to my account. God, I'm going to write the check. There's enough heaven today for me. How many people know that's true? Amen. Worship team, would you come? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father God, today, God, I've given it as best I can. May the gospel become alive in us. Holy Spirit, I know today there are many, many, many in this room. God, we're struggling with all sorts of things. Lord, and some we've never even told anybody. God, we're worried. We're anxious. Sometimes we don't feel the joy that you've purchased for us. God, we have a hard time forgiving someone. The love is just not there. And God, we don't always feel good. But God, today I'm praying for faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, to give us, Lord, the the freedom that is offered in Jesus Christ. I believe it by faith this morning, God. You've had a word for someone here today. that They want to walk in freedom. As they go out of this place today, God, they can go out changed.